This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. I'm Amy, I'm your host, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. Today is episode 45. Now, I know that this is out of order and it's a late release. If you listen regularly and know my release schedule, you know that new episodes are released every Tuesday and Friday. My goal is to have those episodes done and complete and ready to release days before, usually weeks before, so that there is no interruption to the schedule. But sometimes that just doesn't happen. (laughs) And the last two weeks have been like that for me. Episode 45 was supposed to be released on Friday, July 18th. And you know that today is Friday, July 22nd. Earlier that week, though, let me tell you, I had a big family emergency that left me pretty emotionally bankrupt. Try as I may to record the episode and get it done and released on time, it just didn't happen. Thank goodness that the world didn't end and no one died. No one even really questioned me on it and I'm really glad for that. You're probably listening to this after the fact and you're not even worried about the fact that one episode, well, it's actually gonna be three episodes are released late. Plus, this is a podcast, not a live radio or TV show. Things happen. Crazy things happen. And because I've always wanted this to be as real as possible, let me tell you a little bit about what that crazy thing was for me. So my mom is sick and she's very sick. We believe that her breast cancer that she was diagnosed with in 2008 has metastasized into her lungs And she's having some very severe complications from her multiple sclerosis as well. A few weeks ago, several dozen nodules of cancer were found in her lungs. We're still in the process of figuring it all out, understanding the extent of the cancer and discussing treatment options. I don't know how long she has, though the doctor has said probably not very long, even with treatment. So not only is my mom sick, but my mom is dying. All I could do these last two weeks was think about that. I tried to write the podcast episode. I tried to record what I had written, but nothing would come out. My mind was racing with all sorts of things that I just couldn't make sense of. And so I worked my program. I made phone calls. I wrote. I talked to others. I wrote some more. I allowed myself some space to cry, to hurt, to grieve, to feel relief even. There were and are so many emotions, so many complicated, big emotions around the whole thing. I used the grounding techniques, the ones that I've learned before, counting lots of ceiling tiles, lots of ceiling tiles, but also some of the ones that I just learned in the recent episodes that were released with Jonathan Taylor. Ultimately, I understand my need to accept life on life's terms, and that means accepting that my mom is sick and dying. That this next year or so will be challenging, messy, beautiful, and hard. It was that way when my dad passed away in 2011, and I expect this to be the same. In some ways, maybe even more challenging. And in the midst of all of this swirling around me is recovery. 
One of the biggest gifts recovery and sobriety has given me in my life is the gift of being present. Prior to getting into recovery and learning tools to constructively handle emotions, I was never present. I was always somewhere else. I was always distracting myself, my mind, my heart, and even the minds and hearts of the people around me. I couldn't sit in any kind of emotion. There was a constant need for escape from everything. Now, though, I can sit and feel. Whatever emotions the experience brings, I don't have a need to run. I can feel it. I can recognize it, welcome it even, understand it, learn from it, and then let it go. I can do all of these things without escape, without addiction, without running, without shaming, without shaming myself, and without justifying, rationalizing, or explaining the emotions away. They're just there and I can be with them. Being present for my dad and my family during the final days of his life are some of my most precious moments. These were some of the hardest days of my life thus far, but they are also very precious to me. I'm confident that this will be like that as well. Some of the hardest days of my life, but some of the most precious moments. And lucky you, you get to come along for some of that ride with me. Maybe not lucky, (laughs) but definitely real. I promised myself when I started this podcast, I would be real. I would always be authentic, honor my truth and my story, and be real. And so I will be sharing some of this journey with you along the way. And I promise it will be messy and sometimes hard to listen to. And I will cry sometimes and probably be really angry sometimes. But I also promise to share the good moments and the great memories and lessons and the things that I have learned from this woman that I call my mom, who by the way, is totally amazing. So Hug those that you love a little bit longer today because life is amazing. Now, before we jump into today's episode, though, I have a few announcements. We are just a few days off of our first ever Worth Recovery event, and I want to give a big shout out and thank all those that attended, who shared, who cried with us, all those who presented and shared their expertise with us, and all those who supported and sponsored this great event. I spoke with and hugged so many brave women, and I'm so grateful for you and your willingness to face this addiction in your life. I was also able to do some really, really great interviews while I was there, and I'm excited to be bringing these to you in the near future. Amazing things happened last weekend in Seattle, and I'm so, so grateful for that. I'm getting really excited about our next event. That's taking place on January 21st in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're going to keep the same theme, engaged in the struggle, because life is a struggle and we need to stay engaged. And we will be featuring three local CSAT therapists to address the topics of trauma, boundaries, and mindfulness. These topics were so great last weekend, and I want everyone to get an opportunity to learn and to talk about them. Next time, in our next episode, I'll start to tell you a little bit about our speakers. We've got two lined up, and I'm just working on the third right now. But mark your calendar for January 21st in Salt Lake City, Utah. Last, and definitely not least, I'd like to give a big shout out to our Worth Warriors. It is because of you that this podcast continues free of charge for all women in recovery, 
all women in recovery from all around the world. We have listeners from nearly every state in the United States, as well as a number of countries around the world. Thank you for your support and for your dedicated listenership. It is important to me that when a woman reaches out looking for help with sex addiction, that a woman be there to reach back. This podcast helps with that. You can help with that as well by becoming a worth warrior. For as little as $4 a month, that is less than 50 cents an episode, you can be a worth warrior and support other women in recovery from around the world. You can also help by sharing this podcast with other women that you know. Share your favorite episode. Share what has helped change your recovery. Share something with them. Also, you could help by sharing your story on this podcast. Are you a woman in recovery, new or seasoned? Share your story with us. Reach out and dispel your shame and share with others. Email me at amy, A-M-Y, at worthrecovery.com or contact me via the webpage, worthrecovery.com. Share your story. I firmly believe from my own experience that every time I share my story, I heal just a little bit more. And I know that that's the same for you. Okay, that was a lot of information and a lot of announcements. Now, let's get to today's topic. So today is episode 45. I know this is out of order, but over the next few weeks, we're going to catch up. And so eventually, we'll be back on track. Yay! But today is episode 45 and is the continuation of our deep dive into the 12 steps of recovery. We are working on step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. In our first episode about this step, episode 43, I gave you three reasons why a self-assessment wasn't enough, why just completing step four alone isn't going to work for you, why we needed to share that moral inventory with someone else and how that helps us in recovery. We discussed the need for rigorous honesty and the need for a reflecting mirror in recovery. That happens during our fifth step. Today, I want to explore one of the phrases that we use in the fifth step. The step reads, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. That ending phrase, the exact nature of our wrongs, is what I want to discuss today. Let's start with a question. Normally, when we take responsibility for something and apologize, we take responsibility for what we did, our behavior, words, or actions. But the words in step five are a little bit different. It says we accept responsibility for the exact nature of our wrongs. So my question is, how is admitting I was wrong different from admitting the exact nature of my wrongs? Does that make sense what I'm asking? What is the difference between admitting I was wrong and admitting the exact nature of my wrong? Now, maybe that seems obvious to you. Awesome. I admit that the nuance of that difference was lost on me for a while in my early recovery. I thought admitting I was wrong, taking responsibility for what I did and making it right was enough. That was enough to say I was done with my fourth and fifth steps. It wasn't until I got into recovery a little bit more and started sponsoring and working with other addicts that I started to see and understand the difference. Before we dissect it, let's see if I can use an example from my own experience to help illustrate the difference. When I was in third grade, I desperately wanted to belong to the cool girls club. Literally, they called themselves the cool girls club. 
there were these two girls in my class. They were twins, Lindsay and Colleen, and they were the epitome of cool. They had several girls that kind of flocked around them for the cool girls club. However, I was not cool. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. By third grade, I was already really tall. I was also pretty smart, which Lindsay didn't like at all. I was coordinated and liked to play soccer with the boys, which didn't do anything for my cool status among the girls. All of these things added up to me being out with the cool girls club. I was bullied as a child because I was overweight as well. It was some really, really rough years. Anyway, for some reason, Lindsay and Colleen decided one week that they liked me. Like they wanted me in their club. I'm not sure why or what happened to make it that way, but I was elated. Finally, I was in. We did super cool things that week, like meeting in the girls' bathroom during class to pass notes, putting glue on the back of our hands and letting it dry, and then pulling it off together all at the same time. And of course, we played together every single recess. Now, those were super cool things when I was in third grade, I promise. I know they probably don't sound that way now, but in third grade, they were super cool. Well, Thursday or Friday came of that week that I was in, my in week. We were at recess and the girls in the cool girls club were getting restless. They walked aimlessly around the playground and zeroed in on Jennifer. She was sitting by herself on the merry-go-round, kind of pushing herself slow around slowly with her feet. Jennifer and I were friends. Well, we had been friends, but not this week. She was playing alone because she wasn't part of the cool girls club. And the girls started to beeline her direction. Whether I recognized it or not in the moment, I don't remember. But thinking about it now, I know I had a sinking feeling in my heart. This focused energy was familiar. It felt familiar to me. I knew it because it had happened to me before. It was targeting they had found a new target. These girls didn't call Jennifer, Jennifer. They didn't use her name. They called her Alpo. Alpo was the name of a dog food. I don't know if they still make it or not, but they always referred to Jennifer as Alpo because she smelled like dog food. That was what they said anyway. I never noticed it, never noticed her smelling at all. Alpo, they called her and teased her over and over again. She stood, she stood her ground, really paying no attention to them. And, and I wasn't really engaging. My heart, though, was racing as I watched this play out. Finally, the moment had come. Say it, Amy. Say it, they yelled at me. Call her Alpo. Be part of the cool girls club and call her Alpo. Say it. I hope I hesitated. I hope I at least thought about it for a moment. But I I don't remember exactly. What I do remember, what is etched into my brain forever, forever, is the look Jennifer gave me when the words came out of my mouth. Alpo, why are you so smelly? I can close my eyes and still see the pain, the tears, and the look of betrayal on Jennifer's face. She didn't say anything. She just stared at me. After what felt like forever, she got up and ran to the girl's bathroom. I ran after her and tried to make it right, but it was never right between us. Never again. At the time I did my fourth step, this experience had a lot of power over me. It was a moment that carried a lot of shame for me. The girl, me, who had been bullied, became the bully. The girl who had been the protector of the little kids, me, the one who befriended all the misfits, had now attacked them. 
years later, decades later, I'm able to find some grace for myself in that situation. But when I was doing my fourth step, I didn't really have that. Now, let's use this to talk about the difference between admitting I was wrong and admitting the exact nature of my wrongs. I was wrong to call Jennifer Alpo. I wrote her an amends letter and I burnt it, offering it to the universe as I have no contact with her and no idea where to find her. I was wrong to call her a name. I can apologize for that specific action. I was also wrong to give in to these girls, these bullies. I was wrong to give in to their demands. Again, a specific action I can apologize for. But there is something much deeper here to think about. And as a young third grade girl, I didn't have the knowledge, skills, or awareness to be able to understand the deeper things here. But as a 40-year-old woman looking back, I can see them. And in much more recent events, I can see them as well, which we'll talk about later. This example from my youth is simply an example. I'm not suggesting third grade little me could have acted any differently. But the exact nature of my wrongs here is different from calling a girl names or giving in to the demands of mean girls. The exact nature of my wrongs has to do with many more things. First, there was an act of self-betrayal. These mean girls had bullied me and been painfully mean to me on many, many occasions. Yet, at the first hint of acceptance, I ran to them with open arms. I betrayed myself and that gut feeling that said, this probably isn't real. I betrayed myself by believing that their acceptance was the most important thing in my life that week. Second, I betrayed my friendship with Jennifer. We had gotten in arguments before and worked through it. We had even called each other names before and worked through it as well. But this name, this act was more than just a misunderstanding or being mean. This was betrayal. I sided with the mean girls that picked on both of us, that bullied both of us. I sided with them against my friend. In the bathroom, she said to me, you, how could you, how could you do this to me? I expect it from them, but you? Again, going against who I was, betraying myself and betraying my friendship. These are the exact nature of my wrongs here. It's more than just the surface actions that I need to be accountable for. When I'm accountable for only my actions, the likelihood of me changing that behavior is slim. In order for me to be different, in order for me to change, I have to understand the need behind the action. Until I understood what was driving my addictive behaviors, the feelings I was trying to escape from, the connection I was seeking, until I started to understand all of that, there was no actual change in my behavior. Sure, I could white knuckle it, so to speak, for periods of time, but the desire was still there. The desire to act out was always there. It wasn't until I pulled back my addictive behavior and really started to look at what was underneath that I got some traction in sobriety and eventually the desire to act out lessons. I don't want to say it goes away completely because I know that isn't true for everyone. I will say that I don't want to act out anymore. I don't even have the desire to act out. That is where real lasting change comes from. Not from just looking at the actual wrong, the behavior or the words, but from looking at the nature of the wrong, looking at the need I was seeking to fill and the wrong nature in which I went about trying to fill it. Let's do one more example from a more recent experience to try to clarify and make sure we're good to go here. 
While in addiction, I acted out with the man we will call Luke. Luke and I met online. We chatted a little bit before we met for a movie one evening a few days later. Within a few more days, we were acting out regularly online, on the phone, and in person. There were several obvious actions I did wrong in this relationship. I'll name a few. I lied. (laughs) I lied to him about my life. I lied to other people about him and who he was. Um, I lied to him about things that he was doing. I told him that his drinking and the marijuana usage didn't bother me at all when it totally did. So I lied. I also crossed boundaries. I crossed boundaries I never intended to cross. I crossed boundaries I told him I would never cross. I used him. I used him to get my own personal physical needs met. I also acted out with other men while I was continuing to see him, whether we were actually dating or not. That's questionable, but that's what happened. Those are just a few. However, as I look deeper at the exact nature of my wrongs, I see some additional things. One, I betrayed myself in this relationship in many ways. Because this wasn't an actual relationship, though I talked about it like it was. We were simply acting out together. We weren't really dating, though I told other people we were dating. I also betrayed myself by not sharing my opinions, thoughts, or feelings. Ever. I never talked about what was actually going on for me, ever with him. Never. I never did. And that's an act of self-betrayal. I was also selfish, I would only see him when I wanted to see him with no consideration of his feelings. If he called me and I didn't want to, I didn't go. It was all about what I wanted, when I wanted it, and I wasn't considerate of him or his feelings at all. The third thing that I see when I look at the exact nature of my wrongs is that I wasn't present. I wasn't present at all. Even while we were acting out, I have memories of me staring at the ceiling, trying not to cry because I didn't want to be doing what I was doing. I wasn't present for him or acknowledged him as an actual person. These are just a few of the additional ways that I was wrong in this situation. If I was only looking at the wrong I had committed against Luke, these wouldn't necessarily be on my list. But when I look deeper, as step five asks me to do, I look at the exact nature of my wrongs. I get to see the motives and the character flaws that drove me to harm him in this situation. That is what I love about the steps from here on out, step five going forward. Step five is this turning point for us in recovery. It says, yes, you did all of these harmful things and we will work on those. But before we do, we have to dig deep and find the motives and the character defects that caused you to harm others. Let's identify those so that we can change and cause less harm in the future. The step five lists we discussed in episode 43 have this identification process built into them. There are these squares that you can check where you've been selfish or self-seeking, jealous, envious. It asks you to dig deep and find the motive. Until we find the exact nature of our wrongs, the motives behind them, we will continue to repeat the behavior. It is identifying and challenging that motive that will help us. It will help us to see where the root of the problem is and how we can change it. This is the reason step five is so essential. I know many who prepare their lists in step four, but who don't go through the process of actually admitting to someone the exact nature of their wrongs. Helping you see that exact nature of your wrongs is what your sponsor does during the telling of the lists. 
And we're going to get into that in our next episode, how to actually work step five with your sponsor or trusted advisor and some of their responsibilities during the process. I will tell you that since working step five, I've changed the way I apologize. Rather than just apologize for what I did, I try to look deeper and find the motive or nature of the wrong and also apologize for that. I try to look at and admit my character defects. This has helped me immensely in changing my behavior. It also helps me slow down and make sure that my motives are as pure as they can be from the beginning. I'm grateful for the steps and for step five in my life. I'm grateful for the challenge and the opportunity it gives me to change. And I'm excited to continue this series with episode 47 and discuss how we will work step five. As always, ladies, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far down you've gone, no matter how you feel in this moment, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. Don't forget, you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. If this podcast has helped you even just a little bit, guys, if you think it's worth 50 cents, get online and join the movement. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. Ladies, I think about you. I pray for you. I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.